You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's going on, Saints fans? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. The playoffs are finally here, and we get to talk about it. The Saints are going to verse the Chicago Bears in the opening round of the playoffs wildcard weekend wildcard weekend wasn't so nice to the saints last year we're hoping it's nice to the saints this year we'll see what happens obviously 2021's off to a rough start this has been a really bad week um as you guys know with everything going on so i'm hoping this is the chance with the saints podcast here to kind of give you um i don't know if you want to call it that escape or that just that path that just lets you steer away from all the madness going on and focus on saints football because hopefully the Saints can come out with a W this weekend against the Bears. And I'm going to break it down. I'll give you the keys to this one, what matchups to watch, what you know storylines are worth following, because there are definitely a couple uh, to pay attention to. Um, but overall, I think this is actually um, the time of the year where Saints fans get the most nervous, because you get that. I don't know. Saints Twitter is called Bubble Guts, I think. I, don't quote me on it, guys. You're probably like, you're an idiot. I can't believe you said that. But um, Saints Twitter obviously gets nervous when the playoffs come around. The history has not been great to this team over the last three years, and we know that. But I am offering a proposal to you Saints fans, those who are listening right now, to have a positive approach to this year's playoffs. Have a calm approach, if possible. Kind of tough to be calm during Saints games. I get that. But try and be positive, because I actually think this is the year where the field for the Saints is not as bad as other years. I actually think there's an opportunity here for them to make a run. It obviously starts with one win, and they have to go from there, and we'll see if that happens. But take a positive approach. And the reason why I say so, the matchup the Saints have for Wild Card Weekend is not the same matchup they had last year. And I got a lot of people on Twitter that say, you know, what's the difference? Why are you confident? Or not confident, but why are you not pessimistic about the Saints against the Bears? I think the Saints versus Bears is extremely different than the Saints-Vikings last year. And I'll break down a couple of reasons. But the first one for me is personnel. You look at the Vikings roster last year, and it wasn't that the Vikings weren't good. It's just that they weren't as good as the Packers, so they didn't win the NFC North. Um, but the, the talent was there. Now, Kirk Cousins, you could say what you want about him, fine. If you don't think Kirk Cousins is good, that's your opinion. I think Kirk Cousins is a respectable quarterback. But even though you might not agree on that part, what you cannot deny were the offensive weapons for the Vikings were about as good as it gets. You have Dalvin Cook, an elite running back. You have Stephon Diggs, an elite wide receiver. You have Adam Thielen, a second elite wide receiver. You don't have that on the Bears. You don't. And I'll talk about the personnel for them in a little bit, but you don't have that fear. You have Mike Zimmer, a head coach who spent time with Sean Payton in Dallas, so they kind of know each other's tendencies. And because of that, Sean Payton got beaten on a lot of things that a lot of coaches probably wouldn't have schemed up because they don't know those little, um, I don't want to say those little parts of Sean Payton's coaching tactics, but those little idiosyncrasies that will change a game. And and what I mean is Zimmer did something that people haven't done, and that's use your outside rushers to attack the interior of the O-line. Excuse me, And you saw that. Daniel Hunter got out there, Everson Griffin got out there, and they took over the game. I don't know if the Bears are going to do that, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. The Bears, for me, unlike the Vikings, backed into the playoffs when they had no choice. They they backed in out of luck. The Vikings last year used Week 17 as a bye week and got healthy for that Saints game. The Bears knew they had to beat the Packers to get in, still didn't do it, or were fortunate enough to make the playoffs because the Cardinals lost to the Rams. Two different scenarios. So I think the Bears, and you can, don't take it as taking an opponent lightly because this is not what it is. It's just calling a, a spade a spade. The Bears are not as good as the Vikings were last year. That is a fact. You can argue with whoever you want. It's a fact. I don't care. And it matters. 
it truly matters. So why do I like this matchup, guys? The Bears offensively don't really have an identity. The Bears defensively haven't been as good as they are in the years past. So there are reasons to like that matchup. Matt Nagy versus Sean Payton. Sean Payton has gotten the best of him the last couple times. So I like that matchup as well. It's at home. It's not in windy Chicago. That's another one for me that I like. You're not playing an experienced head coach like a Mike Zimmer. That I like. So there are reasons to like this matchup. Now, what this might actually come down to more than anything, and usually most games do, the injury report. And I know you guys are going to be like, well, does it really matter that much? Yes, it does, guys. The injury report for both teams actually matters a lot. And let's start with the Chicago Bears. The Bears have two really important names on the injury report that, for me, are going to dictate this game. And I don't mean dictate this game as, as, as if whether they're going to win or not. I think it's going to dictate the game as if whether or not they're going to make it respectable or going to lose by a significant margin. And the two names for me, Roquan Smith, the talented linebacker out of Georgia, and Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver from Tulane, who has been extremely talented this year and extremely productive. And one of the, I want to say, bright spots to a Bears offense that hasn't been great. Um, The rookie wide receiver finished the season with 61 catches for 631 yards and four touchdowns. Really impressive final uh, season game. Uh, He finished with 11 catches for 93 yards against the Packers. So really good game. But he left the game with an ankle injury. And immediately after he suffered the ankle injury, the Bears ruled him out. Now, people might say, well, if he's really hurt, then can they put him on IR? Well, here's the thing, guys. The Bears probably aren't thinking Super Bowl right now, and they can't really afford to put Darnell Mooney on IR if they're not sure. And, I'm, and, and look, maybe he doesn't play, but it's too early in the week. He did not practice Wednesday. That's a concern, but it's too early. Roquan Smith, injured in the Packers game, elbow injury. Didn't come back or tried to, but just didn't wasn't effective, and now did not participate in Wednesday's practice. That's a big one because Roquan Smith is the guy who the the Bears are going to use to go after an Alvin Kamara, go after a Latavius Murray, go after a Jared Cook. He roams the middle of the field. He's so so rangy, I want to say, would probably be the best word to say for Roquan Smith. Um, And he's just such a good player. And this year was probably the breakout year that Bears fans were envisioning from the start when the team drafted him in the first round back in 2018. He finished with 139 tackles, four sacks, and two picks. That is a fantastic year for Roquan Smith. So if they don't have him, you lose your quarterback of the defense. You don't have your second best wide receiver. Those would be two big hits. Both did not participate. They weren't alone. You have Buster Screen, the cornerback who didn't participate because of a a concussion. You have Jalen Johnson, the talented rookie corner who was limited because of a shoulder injury that's kept him out the last couple weeks. And then you got guys on the the injury report who they for full, but they aren't 100%. Allen Robinson, hamstring, Khalil Mack, shoulder, Jimmy Graham, uh, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Jackson with a wrist injury, Cole Komet with a shoulder injury. So the Bears are not at 100%. We know that. Um, so that's important. Now, flip it over to the Saints side. You got Nick Easton did not participate. I don't expect him to play. Who knows if he's going to be back. I think there's rumors about him going on IR. Um, I don't believe the Saints officially announced it yet, but obviously this is not good news that for the third time this year he's on the injury report with concussion. I actually think it's kind of time for us to decide or not decide, we don't decide another man's future, but talk about the fact that Nick Easton might be done here with the Saints because of concussions. Um, Obviously, that's a concern. Head injuries are not good. To have concussions that many times in one season, big concern about your long-term health. Um, So I hope he does whatever's best for him as a person and his way of living, not football, but just, you know, take all football to the side and just think about way of living. I hope he's okay. So who else was on the injury report? JT Gray with a shoulder injury. That's important. JT Gray is one of the best special teams players on the Saints. I would say he's the second best special teams player on the Saints if you take away the kickers and the punters and you're talking about Justin Hardy and JT Gray. Those two really good gunners, really good players. Um, Fantastic, fantastic athletes to have on special teams. So they're going to need him out there. Trey Hendrickson limited with a neck injury. 
Josh Hill limited with a hand injury. Taysom Hill on the injury report, it turned out to be a concussion. We thought that's what it would be. It ended up being a concussion. Uh, limited as well. And Marcus Williams, limited. That one's huge. Because Marcus Williams, say what you want. I can say what I said in the past. We were probably a little too harsh. Um, but Marcus Williams is a hell of a player. And he's been so good this year. So to have him back, if that is the case, and it's certainly seeming that way, that's great news for the Saints. So, for the first time this year, the Saints are getting healthy. And maybe it doesn't last long. But it doesn't need to last long. It only needs to last for four games. And if it lasts for four games... They're good. And you know what I mean. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to say it and get my hopes up. But you know what I mean by those four games. And getting Michael Thomas, he's, you know, the assumption is he'll be back. And the way Drew Brees is speaking about him, it sounds like he's good to go. Deontay Harris, getting him back. He was back at practice. That's huge. Marcus Williams, getting him back at practice. That is tremendous for the defense. Mike Burden and Latavius Murray coming off the COVID list. Huge for the running game. Mike Burden, unsung hero, such a good run blocker, and so good on those power run plays for Taysom Hill. He gets out, makes a lot of blocks in space. You need that type of player, the guy to do the dirty work. Mike Burden definitely does the dirty work. He does it really well. So to have him there is is great. And Taysom Hill. The Taysom injury could have been catastrophic for the Saints team because Taysom Hill is a type of player that even if the Saints aren't going to use him, guess what? You spent at least 12 hours of your week preparing for the Saints for preparing for Taysom Hill because he's that versatile because he might be used as a receiver. He's gone back-to-back games against the Bears with the receiving touchdown. He could be used as a quarterback. We saw that he could play a little bit of quarterback this year. You could use him as a runner. We know what he could do in space with running as long as he holds on to the football. You could use him on special teams, a fake pass, just as a blocker, as a rusher, on special teams on the kickoff. You can use Taysom Hill in so many damn ways. If your water boy's not there and he shows up late, Taysom Hill can be the water boy for you. If he needs to sell popcorn to the 3,000 fans that'll be out there, Taysom Hill can do that too. The man can do everything, okay? Now, people are going to say he could do everything but hold on to the football. If I say the joke before you do, then I kind of take the fun out of it. So I'm glad I took the fun out of it. But seriously, this Saints team is getting healthy at the right time. And for a year where it was one guy was in, one guy was out, then that guy comes back and that guy goes out. And the team has never been healthy. And what I mean by that is Michael Thomas gets hurt, then Breeze gets hurt. Michael Thomas comes back, but Breeze is out. Now Breeze comes back, now Michael Thomas is out. Now Breeze is back, Michael Thomas comes back, and Camaro's out. Like, can we just get some form of consistency here the only thing we're getting consistency of is that everyone's getting hurt and that's not great but now they're healthy and that matters that truly truly matters and when it comes to Michael Thomas the Saints played the long game they said well do we play him for three weeks he plays through the ankle injury and who knows or do you sit him for three weeks say we'll take care of business and they went two and one in that span and then get him back close to 100% for the playoffs which it kind of sounds is what the plan is and has been and now we'll see if it worked but I like that plan better than the alternative And even if the plan doesn't work, it's the smarter play. It's the smarter play. They didn't need Michael Thomas against the Vikings. They didn't need him against the Panthers. What you need him for is the playoffs. Now the playoffs are here, and Michael Thomas is back, so that is important. Now, something I really want to talk about, and I noticed this, and I don't know if everyone noticed it, but if you did, kudos to you. And it's probably something that you developed from just spending countless hours of watching Drew Brees interviews. Um, I don't know how many Drew Brees interviews I've watched. It's probably somewhere in the hundreds. Um, and any chance he speaks to the media, I try to be able to be there and listen. And I noticed on Wednesday, cause you're going to listen to this on Thursday, but as of I'm recording this, this is Wednesday night. I just wrapped up about like my third Saints podcast type preview for this bears game. I was all over the place today and I checked out Drew Brees, you know, his media session. I think it ran about 10 minutes long and usually around this year, Drew Brees is a little, I don't want to say tense, but very serious demeanor. You know that, you know he's laser sharp in terms of focus, but really hasn't gone their way the last couple of years. 
Drew looked loose. And I didn't mean loose like he didn't look like he cared. Drew looked loose like he knows whatever's going to happen was meant to be and what's meant to be is meant to be. And I think that it's a great mentality for a guy like him to have because Drew admit during the press conference, he's approaching every game like it's last. Now, that doesn't mean he's definitely retiring. So before we all start crying that Drew is gone, let's just pump the brakes because we don't know that. Now, it looks like it will be the case, but we don't know that. Drew Brees has been saying for the last three years that he takes every game like it's his last in the playoffs because he doesn't know if it's going to be his last. And now it feels more real than it ever has. But Drew looked so comfortable and, I don't know, he seemed at peace in a good way. And and I think Drew, who looked really sharp against the Carolina Panthers, completed 22-32 for 201 yards, I believe, and three touchdowns, no picks, that's a great game. And the fact that he's getting hot at the right time, that's what the Saints need. Because the Saints haven't had that. They had that last year. And then I think they just kind of overlooked the Vikings. I really think they did. I thought they thought they were going to get a bye week. We're not ready for that game. The Vikings were fully rested, and the Vikings made the Saints pay, and rightfully so. And I think Drew just now, more than ever, with the way the career is going right now and the way it might be over in a month from now, a week from now, who the heck knows, that ability to be loose is a good thing. Because uh, you get to play every snap, and it's not like a, a sense of urgency or stress where every snap could be your last it's a sense of being at peace and being comfortable knowing that this could be his last game, but he's going to give it everything he has. But I think it's better off that he's loose. He just seemed really comfortable. And when Drew's really comfortable and he's loose like this, it usually leads to a big game. So what I'm saying for people listening, if Drew Brees is loose and the game plan goes the way the Saints want it to, it would not shock me if Drew Brees throws three touchdown passes, and I'll take it a little bit further. I would not shock me if Drew Brees throws at least three touchdown passes if the game plan goes to to the way they want it to, and he is out there playing loose like he played last week, like he's been playing for the majority of the season, like he's taking shots down the field. Now that his shoulder's better, his ribs are not better, we know that, but his shoulder's better, and because of his shoulder being better, he is taking more shots down the field, and I think that's very important for the Saints offense because you can't play the Saints in a phone booth, as Bucky Brooks likes to say, and what he means by that is you press him up. You can't do that now. You can't press up if Drew Brees is hitting those 20 yards, 25-yard throws, um, and if you can do that, that'd be huge because you really get the defense to back off. If they back off and you're giving underneath stuff, I don't think there's a better quarterback in the league at taking what the defense gives than Drew Brees. So I, I feel really, really comfortable where Drew's at. I know people are going to point to the fact that he hasn't played well in the playoffs the last three playoff games uh, against the Eagles, against the Vikings, and against the Rams, but I don't know. I Call it blind faith. Call it just me being a homer in this one, but he just seems really, really loose. And I think because of that, you're going to see him play really good football on Sunday. Now, one guy that I am going to single-handedly call out on the show, I did it on Sports Overtime with Nader, and I'm going to do it again here for those who didn't catch it on Sports Overtime. If you didn't catch it, go catch it as well, just in case my rant isn't up to par with that one. Marcus Davenport, where the hell are you at? You have not shown up the last couple of weeks, maybe the last couple of months, the only thing he's done over the last month is bleach his hair. That's the only thing Marcus Davenport's done over the last month is bleach his hair. Because he sure ain't getting to the quarterback. He sure ain't making good plays in the run game. He sure ain't deflecting any passes. He sure ain't being a leader. So all he's doing is bleaching his hair. And I I have defended Marcus Davenport more than any other fan. Maybe not every any other fan, but most fans from the Houdat Nation. I defended him in the beginning. I, I gave him most of the credit for the D-line, making that turnaround, because he came back and they started playing better football. So I gave the credit to Davenport. 
And now Davenport is almost making me look stupid by not playing good football. If I were ranking defensive linemen right now, Cam Jordan, Trey Hendrickson, David Onyemata would definitely be better than him. Malcolm Brown, probably better than him. Carl Granderson's better than him. Why is Davenport the best, the fourth best pass rusher on this team? They traded two first-round picks to get this man because he's supposed to change the defense. And the only thing he's changing is his hair color. He's not changing the defense for shit. He's been so bad over the last couple weeks. When I watch the film and I go to the NFL Game Pass and I watch from the coach's film, every freaking play this guy just runs in. He looks like a, a doofy giraffe going in, just throwing his body around, and it's not working. And I'm not the only one who said that. I know people who I respect in terms of X's and O's and film analysis that I trust way more than I trust myself that are saying he looks really, really bad right now. Really bad. There's two people in particular that I really, really trust. They probably know who they are. I'm not going to call them out or single them out. Um, But I trust them for X's and O's, and they are specifically calling out Davenport and saying he's not doing his job. And then when I go back and I see the same thing, we got a problem here because Davenport's not doing his job. So Davenport's got to step up, whether that's a sack, whether that's a big tackle for a loss, whether that's a deflected pass, whether that's a couple of... Uh, pressures where he forces Trubisky into bad throw. Um, do something effective. Change the game. Change the game. You've had one and a half sacks this season. 17 quarterback pressures. The Saints traded up two first-round picks to get you. Do, you. do you have no shame? Like, come on, man. Step it up. If Davenport stunk, like, just couldn't play the game of football, I- I'd be okay. I'd, I'd be, like, almost okay and at peace where I'm like, all right, the guy's just not good. But when you're that potential packed, when you have that much athleticism, and when I know that you can play football, because Davenport looked really good pre-injury last year and looked really good in the beginning of this year, what happened? What went wrong? So fix that. Fix it fast, because Wildcard Weekend is here. So let's see what Davenport's got. But without further ado, let's get into it. Matchups to watch for this one, and then I'll get to the keys to the victory. So the first one for me to watch, and this one, I mean, let's be real. I, I know you guys are all thinking it. Allen Robinson, Marshawn Lattimore. Here we go. Marshawn Lattimore, the first time around, I would not say got the better of of Robinson because Robinson did score a touchdown on him, had a nice double move to get open on it. So Robinson did get the best of him in one play, and then Lattimore had a pick later. That is something to watch. Um, Robinson has not been good the last couple weeks. Maybe it's the hamstring injury holding him back, and that hammy's just not holding up. So maybe that's part of it. But he's not playing well of late, and Marshawn Lattimore is. And if we know one thing about Marshawn Lattimore, when he plays a good receiver... He comes to play. Well, Allen Robinson is a household name. He is a hot commodity, and he is a Pro Bowl caliber receiver. So guess what? Lattimore is coming to play. And if Lattimore is on his game and he can shut down Allen Robinson, he basically puts Mitch Trubisky in a situation where he's never been in. He's never been. If if Darnell Mooney's not playing, and it, it is very possible, and Allen Robinson's getting shut down by Lattimore, where is Trubisky going with the football? I don't know. I really don't know. So that, for me, is one matchup to watch. Another matchup for me to watch, um, and and this one is always important, how does the interior defensive line go up against Akeem Hicks? Because, man, I've never seen a former Saint more salty than Akeem Hicks. I don't even know what the hell it is. I think he loved the Saints so much that it hurt him so much that they traded him to the Patriots, and, man, he just hates this damn organization with all his heart. You know, Jimmy Graham hates the Saints, but I think deep down we look at Jimmy Graham like a soft guy that we don't really care about anymore. Jimmy Graham's like that, I don't know, like that ex-girlfriend that people are like, all right, whatever. Akeem Hicks is like, dude, who the fuck are you? Like, why are you still going nuts over the Saints? You've had your time with the Bears. You've been really good with the Bears. Leave it at that. Why has it always got to be a shot at New Orleans? Like, bro, get over it. It was years ago. So, Andrews Pete, 
Cesar Ruiz, keep Akeem Hicks away from Drew Brees. It's that simple. That simple. Keep him away. Um, without Nick Easton, it puts a lot of pressure on Ruiz and Pete to be good. And let me tell you something. If Akeem Hicks starts dominating this game, and he could, he's a very good player. If Akeem Hicks starts dominating this game, Sean Payton's got to start thinking about putting James Hurst in there because I, I can't have Ruiz and Pete potentially blowing a playoff game just the way Pete and Warford single-handedly destroyed the O-line last year against the Vikings. I can't have that. And I know Sean Payton definitely can't have that. So if the fans can't have it, why the hell would the coach have it? So I need the, the interior O-line to step up. I need to see it. Because you know Akeem Hicks is going to go out for blood. So we got to see what happens there. And my third matchup. So I'll give you my third one real quick, and then I'll go to the joking matchup. But my third matchup, um, Khalil Mack versus Teron Armstead. I can't wait to see it. Armstead's playing as good as any tackle in football, probably better than any tackle in football right now. And Khalil Mack, you know what you're getting in Khalil. Khalil's such a good player. Even when Khalil doesn't have a great season, you look at the numbers, you look at the grades for pro football focus, and you're like, yep, Khalil Mack still does this thing. So Mack versus Armstead can Armstead neutralize Khalil Mack. If he does, that really just makes life easy for Drew Brees. You got a clean pocket. You don't got to worry about your blind side. And that, that really helps. Now, if Mack has a day, then that could change things. This is where a game that should be very winnable can swing because of Khalil Mack. So um, that's a matchup to watch. Now, my favorite matchup that I'm going to watch, but it's not an actual matchup that's going to decide the game, but I want to bring it up because why not? Javon Wims versus CJ Gardner-Johnson, CD Deuce, whatever you want to call him, but either way, just don't call him late to this game because he better show up. I need to see this rematch of Titans between Javon Wims and Chauncey gardner Johnson, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, C.D. Deuce, whatever you want to call him. We need to see it. Because last time these two met, you guys remember very well what the hell happened. Or Honestly, I still, I still don't even know what the hell happened. Like, Why did the mouthpiece set Wims off so much that he had to go retaliate? It's the weirdest thing. Uh, but I'm excited to see what, this hap- what happens with these two. Um, C.D. Deuce thought he was slick and tweeted that boy's coming to my city, which means he's clearly talking about Wims coming to New Orleans because last time C.D. Deuce went to uh, Chicago. So who the hell knows what's going to happen? All I hope is that Gardner Johnson doesn't make a mistake that jeopardizes his team, like a 15-yard penalty or a possible ejection. Let Wims be the idiot that punches you in the helmet again. Just don't do anything about it. And the funny thing is, the Saints game, now I'll be watching it on CBS because I want to listen to Romo and Nance, how they break down the game. And I'm going to be serious, obviously, watching a playoff game. But I will, for a second or two, check in on the alternative option, which is Nickelodeon. Yes, Nickelodeon broadcasting a playoff game. You never thought you'd hear it before, but they are. And why, what the hell happened that Nickelodeon got the game where there might be two guys throwing fists? Because if you're appealing to the kid audience, I don't think that's the message you want to show. Gardner Johnson and, and Wims ready to throw hands in the middle of a playoff game. So, I don't know. Like, does Nickelodeon edit it where it looks like they're throwing slime at each other or something? Like, I, I don't know what they're doing. They better get ready for that because who knows? Those two are unpredictable. But that's the matchup that I'm watching because the fact that Wims and Gardner Johnson are already talking about it means one of these two morons is going to do something stupid. And you can't be shocked when an idiot does something stupid. It's in their blood. So uh, I'm really I'm really looking forward to, but also, like, somewhat nervous as to what's going to happen between Gardner Johnson and whims, but it should be funny uh, nonetheless. Now, three keys to victory before we get out of here. Three keys to victory for this one I think are very important. Now, for most parts, keys to victory can really be interchangeable. And for this one, I think it really isn't. The first key, and it's the most important one, avoid a flat start. The Saints didn't lose to the Vikings because the Saints weren't good enough. The Saints didn't lose to the Vikings because, you know, 
They had all issues on the old line. That was an issue, don't get me wrong. The Saints didn't lose to the Vikings because of the refs, regardless of what people might say. The Saints lost to the Vikings because they didn't start playing football until the fourth quarter. That's why the Saints lost to the Vikings. And I know it's hard to admit things like that sometimes because it's so easy to blame the refs. It's so easy to blame someone else. But the Saints are the reason they lost last year because they decided they weren't going to show up to play in a playoff game until the fourth quarter when Taysom Hill was doing everything for them. And even when that was happening, you had a fumble go wrong at the end. So, please, th- that game was the, the, the reason and the textbook example of why you can be a great team, but when it's playoff time, you can't overlook it anyone because the Saints won 13 games that year and they were out like that and because of that because they were out in the blink of an eye I think they learned something I think they learned you cannot start slow in the playoffs you can't and the Saints have been slow starters the last couple years slow start against Minnesota slow start against uh, Minnesota in the Minnesota Miracle game slow start against Philadelphia in the divisional round they are the last couple years they've been on slow starts now, the good thing about the Saints is you get a feel for how they're going to play immediately. You know if they got it or you know if they don't got it. And it sucks when you know they don't have it, like the Eagles game, because you're sitting there watching for 60 minutes, and you know it's not their day. But when it is their day, you know, and you will know on Sunday if it's the Saints' day with the way they come out in terms of energy. Can they get a quick stop and a quick score? And when the Saints do that, they usually win the game. So don't start flat. Get out to a hot start. That's key one, and that's the most important one. Number two win the turnover battle. I can't stress this enough. Another issue for the Saints has been turnovers. Drew Brees, interception against Minnesota and a fumble. Drew Brees, interception against the Rams in the overtime. Obviously, try to wipe that game from our memory, but it happened. Drew Brees, interception early against the Eagles. I think the first play of the game, they went to take a shot. Was it either Maddox or Craven LeBlanc came down with the pick? But one of them came down with the pick. It was an underthrown ball to Ted Ginn Jr. Sorry, my memory's not perfect right now, but that was an issue. Drew Brees, pick against Minnesota in the Miracle Game. Like, now there's a theme. You're probably like, man, uh, Chris, don't you think Drew Brees stinks in the playoffs? Like, okay. The problem with the Saints is they go away from what they're good at in the playoffs. And it makes no sense to me, and I don't understand it. But lately, they've been doing that. So, stick to the formula. Don't lose sight of what their identity is offense. They're a methodical offense that can run the football and throw the football equally good, interchangeable. Stick to it, man. 10 play drives. That's what you're good at. Stick to it. You don't need that deep shot. It would be nice, but you don't need it. So stick to what you're good at. Stick to the stuff you know, and I think the Saints will be fine in that regard. But you got to win the turnover battle. When you play a Mitch Trubisky, you got to win the turnover battle because Mitch Mitch is going to give you chances to come up with turnovers. So this is actually more, not more, but as much on the defense as it is on Drew Brees in the offense. Now, does Drew Brees in the offense have to take care of the football? Yes. Now, do the Saints defense need to take advantage when Mitch Trubisky throws an interceptable pass? Yes, so it goes both ways. Both units step up in this game. And now key number three this is probably just as important as everything else except for the flat start because I'm telling you the flat start's going to dictate this game. Stop the run. Make Mitch Trubisky beat you. David Montgomery, over 1,000 yards rushing this season. He's been really good, really underrated. So if you can stop Montgomery, and with Malcolm Brown back at D-line, you feel like the Saints can maybe do that. He had 89 rushing yards the first time around, just for reference, for what you guys want to talk about. But... If they can stop Montgomery, again, this goes down to you're really breaking apart the Bears' offense. Because what the Bears want to do is this. They want to run with Montgomery, run well, set up the play-action shots, set up rollouts for Trubisky. And I'm going to say this, and you're going to think that it's an insult, but at this point, all right, yeah, it is an insult, but it's also the truth. 
The Bears are trying to scheme plays where Mitch Trubisky doesn't have to think much, okay? It needs to be quick. It needs to be a one-read play. It needs to be a predetermined throw. It needs to be something simple because that's what Mitch runs best, simple shit. So what what you want to do, run the football with Montgomery, set up the play action, set up the rollouts, let him get out in space. That's what they want. If the Saints stop Montgomery, you take away their first thing, which means you take away the play action, which means you take away the rollouts. And now, if Darnell Mooney's not playing, Regardless of the Saints stop the run, the deep pass is not there. And the Bears are going to be left with scraps. It's a uh, you know, short pass to Komet, short pass to Graham, short pass to Anthony Miller. But you get my point, it's all short passes. Things that are not going to hurt the Saints. What will hurt the Saints is if they give up big runs and then get beat in play action. That would hurt the Saints. So stop the run. Make Mitch beat you in the intermediate passing game. If you can do that, the Saints will be in great shape. Now, you're probably thinking, what's your prediction, Chris? We want to hear it. Well, I'm not going to give you one. I'm just kidding. I'm going to give you guys one. So for this game, again, the injury report's a big thing because if Mooney and Roquan Smith miss this game, I think the Saints can actually blow out the Bears and you're going to say, well, who the hell blows teams out in the playoffs? I think it's possible. Um, But let's go under the assumption they're playing because we know the drill with the Saints. If guys can play, they're going to play. No matter what, they're going to play. They could tear their ACL. They'll find a way to play. I think the Saints win this game. I think the Saints win 27-17. to I think the Saints have a chance to send a message that this is not the year where they're going to mess around. They're going to get shit done. But they need to win, and they need to win by this type of margin. And I mean that. The Bears shouldn't be in the playoffs. They backed in. They got lucky that a seventh seed was added. Show them they're not on your level, because they're not. The only way they'll be on the Saints' level is the Saints stoop to their level. And you know how you lose an argument with an idiot? The idiot's got experience at being an idiot. You got no experience, and you lose in that argument. Don't stoop down to the Bears' level. Take advantage of the matchup. Get out to an early start. And I'm telling you from now, and you're listening, and I'm going to say it on Sunday, you're going to know quickly how that game's going to go. Because the Saints are either going to get out to a hot start or the Saints are going to let the Bears creep around. If the Saints let the Bears creep around, God help this team. Because that is just, you are not winning a Super Bowl if you let the Bears hang around. I didn't even want to use the word, but I'm going to have to use it. The Bears hang around. All right, you let me know. You you weren't cut out for the Super Bowl. If you take care of business, all right, let's talk because that's what you're supposed to do. So 27-17, I think the Saints learned a lot from last year's early loss to the Vikings. And I think what they learned is, as good as they are, you can't overlook opponents, not in the NFL. And a lot of the Saints know that. And with Drew Brees, it, it being his last year, I wonder if there's a sense of urgency in the building. Every game matters. Every snap matters. Every play matters. So... We'll see what happens, but I think the Saints win. I think they advance to the divisional round. Hopefully that's the case because then we'll be back for a victory Monday and we'll be feeling pretty good. Um, But we'll see what happens, obviously. Hoping for the best, knowing that the worst can be possible. But I do think, I honestly do feel like this is a very good matchup for the Saints. I do think they're going to take advantage, and I think they're going to win this game 27-17. to But I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about this game. Are you pessimistic? Are you optimistic? Are you, probably the best thing to be as a Saints fan is cautiously optimistic. And even then, I don't really know, but... You know what I mean. So let me know what you think about this game. Do you think the Saints are going to win? Do you think they're going to have another upset loss? What's your keys? Just hit me up on Twitter, replies, DMs, whatever. You know I'll get to them. I love to chat Saints football with you guys. But I appreciate you guys tuning into the podcast. Stay tuned for more content in the future. And hopefully the Saints can pull away from the Bears and punch their ticket to the NFC Divisional Round.